Well, greetings to each one in Jesus' precious name. It's a blessing and a privilege to gather together on a Sunday morning to worship the Lord. And I want to welcome everyone here this morning, especially the visitors. Thank you for coming and being with us. You're very welcome. I hope the Lord blesses you and meets a little need in your heart and you can go away feeling that God blessed you, and you met with the Lord. I can't think of anything better than that. I think that's what church should be all about, where we come together and God meets a need. I don't know if you have any. I think you do. I know I do. And I think there's no better place to go than to the house of God And be still and know that He is God. That's a precious, precious promise. Vernon said when he handed the mic to me, I guess you get the privilege to use this or you get the privilege to preach. And I can look at it like that. I want to look at it like that this morning. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that we have to open God's word like we already did this morning and just let that beautiful dew settle down on our hearts. The dew of heaven, the word of God. You know, in a very unsettling and changing world that we find ourselves in these days and probably always was this way for that matter, but the world that we find ourselves in, the time that we find ourselves in, there's really not much more solid things around than the Word of God, than the promises of God. And so we gather here this morning And I get the privilege to speak to us, to myself included, God's Word. I don't know what that does in your heart, but I hope it excites you. I hope it, it's something, some of anticipation rises up in you. And you have that prayer, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. I think the Lord wants to speak to us still today. I think he wants to take his word that we have here in our hands and kind of make it alive for all of us. In one way or another. That all of us can take something home. That's my prayer for all of us this morning. I'm maybe just a little bit nervous, not because of, of you all so much, but I like to have my messages a little more organized than I feel I have this morning, so that makes me a little nervous. But I do have a burden. If you can accept that, it may come out a little clunky, if you will, but... I do have a burden, and I hope I can at least leave a couple things with you by the time we're done. I think what I'll do is just go ahead and kind of give the things that are on my heart, and then I'll give the scriptures this morning and Hopefully the Lord will meet 
my need and help me to preach in such a way that we can receive something out of his word. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, and you don't have to turn there for this, but the Bible says that uh, it's giving the account here of the Jews, of the Israelites, how they came out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And it gives a real short account there in 1 Corinthians 10 of their journey. And it's not a very good account. It's basically saying how they failed. They were idolaters. They committed fornication. They tempted Christ. They murmured and were destroyed. Some of them were destroyed of the destroyer. And then verse 11 says, Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And King James says ensambles, but it means examples. All these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. I believe this morning we are among those upon whom the ends of the world have come. Think about that. And these things are written along with many other things. In fact, all the scriptures are written for our admonition. And so if we are among those upon whom the ends of the world have come, dearly beloved... The scripture gives some very specific warnings and admonitions to those who live in the end times. Paul told Timothy that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And that word perilous means reducing the strength. In other words, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. People are going to get weary In the last days. You know anyone like that? You ever experienced weariness? Well, this scripture is for us. Beware. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, The Spirit speaketh expressly, clearly, distinctly, is the definition for that word, that Some shall depart from the faith and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And that's a sobering verse for those who the ends of the world are come upon. I'm sure we all know, we sit here this morning, we can all think of people who have departed from the faith and walked away from God openly. Some denying that they ever were Christians and others just left the faith and, and, and live a nonchalant life. We probably can all think of people like that. While I have a burden for those people, I have a burden for another group of people. What about the people within the camp that haven't openly walked away from God? But they're sitting in churches and they're sitting among God's people. How's your faith this morning? How's your faith among God's people? We want to think about that this morning, a little later on in the message. Peter warns us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your opponent, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions or hardships are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, last night I had a dream. I don't dream much, but last night I had a dream and it woke me up a little bit shook up. Must have been a pretty short dream, but I dreamed about one of our steers. I bought this steer in the spring when it was probably about 400 pounds, and from the get-go, this thing was loud. 
I mean, he knew everything that was going on. He didn't miss anything. He had his ears and head up and tail up a lot of the time. And, and I didn't like him from the, from the beginning, but I still have him. And he's calmed down a little, but not totally. And uh, sometimes when I feed him, I go up there with my bucket of feed, and, and he'll just leave out a blood-curling bellow that makes, your, makes me shiver. Just lets it rip. Standing right there at the trough. And I'm trying to figure this guy out. Is he mad or is he just hungry? But he stands his ground. If I walk around the side, he just turns and faces me wherever I go. He's a bit of an opponent. Now he's just a steer. And I dreamt last night that he was after me. And you know how dreams go? I barely made it away from him, and yet I did, and, and he was pawing to get at me, and that's when I woke up. And I'm, I'm thinking he'll, he'll go to the market one of these days. I don't think it's worth having him around. But that's just a steer, and all he can do is, at the, at the most, kill somebody if he gets a chance. Probably would. But Peter says, we have a devil, an adversary out there. It's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I had to ask myself, when was the last time I trembled because of the devil? Like I did this morning when I woke up from that dream. Just knowing that the devil hates me and is as much of an opponent against me as that steer of mine is, and probably a whole lot more. So there's a warning for us to be vigilant in these last days and not be weary, but to constantly be watching. Jesus also said that we should watch and pray that we enter not into temptation. These are warnings a handful of warnings here to the, to the Christian. Let me finish that verse. It says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is a reality, dearly beloved, this morning. This is a reality that we are facing. We live in perilous times. The, speak, the, the spirit is speaking expressly. The devil is a relentless opponent And Jesus warns us to constantly watch and pray that we not be deceived. So I have a burden this morning. Part of my burden is I see many Christians, sometimes myself, discouraged. Discouraged. It takes courage to be a Christian. Amen. It takes courage to be a Christian this morning. A good soldier needs to endure hardness. So that's part of my burden. And I hope to end up with two effective weapons against our adversary and against everything that is against the Christian, whereby we may experience victory and a joyful and meaningful Christian journey. So that's my goal. And I need God. Why don't we kneel together for prayer at this time that I could preach his will. Oh God, we be still and know that you are God. We thank you for this Lord's day. 
We thank you, God, for this assembly of the saints and many others across the land that have gathered together this morning to worship God. Father, we need you. I need you. All of us here need you. The preachers and pastors and other congregations need you in this hour. In time, God, we we need you. We're no, no strangers to the things that I've said this morning. We know what it is, Lord. We know the fight. We know the journey. We know the difficulties, Lord. We know the weariness, God. We know the discouragements that come from time to time, God. And we need you this morning. And so I pray from your scriptures that have been given to us, Lord, for our admonition, for our admonishment, for our encouragement, Lord, for our uh, to, in, to encourage us, Lord, I pray that you would use the scriptures this morning to, to uh, lift up our, our, uh, our gaze, to lift up our hands sometimes that hang down, Lord, to encourage us, God, we pray. We pray that each of us, Lord, would receive virtue from Jesus, from God this morning. Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name, O oh God, we long to meet and see Jesus this morning in his word, by his spirit, Lord. And Father, we press in and we reach out this morning to touch the hem of your garment, God, that virtue might flow and our needs might be met and our eyes might be lifted up and our hearts might be encouraged, God. And, 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 and we would be uh, uh, freshly committed again this morning to endure hardness as a good soldier and not cave in to the weakness of the flesh. God, we pray for your blessing this morning. Oh, God, I pray. Just give me thoughts, Lord. I need you, God, to, to bear forth the burden of the Lord this morning. And I trust you for that, dear God. And we commit this message into your hands, and I pray, guide my lips, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, the scripture says, again quoting Paul, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, helpful, advantageous for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, Straightening up things again, that word correction, for straightening up again, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, fresh, that is complete. I love fresh Christianity. We all need that. That's God's will for us. And we get that from the inspired word of God this morning, that the man of God may be perfect, fresh, that is complete, thoroughly furnished, Equipped fully unto all good works. So, you may turn in your Bibles with me for an Old Testament story. Well known, very popular, but never getting old, I hope. To 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to look at the story of David... And the giant, whose name was Goliath. And I meant to bring two round stones from home, and I forgot, so I went out, and this is the best I could do in a few minutes. They're not round at all, smooth at all, but I imagine this is kind of the size, probably an inch and a half to two inches round, maybe a little bigger that David picked up, much smaller than that. They're too light and much bigger, maybe hard to throw. So I'm just kind of imagining about two inches around. David, of course, he had got five, but I have two for us this morning. So we're going to just skip down over the story. I'm not going to read it this morning. I'm sure all of us here have read it, but I just want to take the story. It's a little bit of an allegory, perhaps, as we take, take some of the scenes from this story and apply them to our Christian life. So if you're in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see the two armies set in array there in the valley of Elah, I believe it was. The Philistines on the one side, children, are you listening? Israel on the other side, and the battle was set in array between the two armies. And we have in, in verse 4, it, we have the word champion 
there was this champion who the Philistines had that came out of the camp there who was probably over nine feet tall, and I didn't bring a tape measure along, but it's probably almost as tall as the top of that board there, somewhere in there. I'm guessing over nine feet tall is how, Goliath, how tall Goliath stood. He had a coat, according to some history that I found, he had a coat or a coat, his armor weighed over 100 pounds. And his spearhead weighed around 15 pounds. So he was pretty, pretty intimidating, I think, as he came off the mountain there and walked down into the center of that valley every morning. And as he bellowed out his, his defying cry over to Israel, they heard him cry every morning as he defied the armies of Israel. In the name of his gods. And when Israel, who was up there for now close to 40 days, I believe, according to the account here, by the time David showed up on the scene. But this went on for 40 days, and some of the verses, it almost appears like they were fighting, but apparently they weren't. I mean, they were literally fighting. Apparently they were not, because whenever this champion would come out and make his intimidating speech there to the children of Israel. It says in verse um, 11, if you want to look there. Well, let me read verse 10. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And in verse 16 it says, The Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Now that's a long time. That's a long time. Apparently nothing really happened. I had to think, you know what? It may, it may have been that the Philistines, they were a bit unsure about these children of Israel. They probably knew their history. They knew if God was on their side, they didn't stand a chance. I don't know. You know, it seemed like at least they didn't just march right over where the Israelites were and start to fight. They just put up the challenge. They just put out the challenge. Who will come and fight with me? Let that man come. And for 40 days and 40, for 40 days, morning and evening, he presented himself, and for 40 days, God's people retreated, backed away, dismayed and afraid. Verse 24, look over there. Some more of the same word. David is on the scene now. He's in the midst of them and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And he hears this man say what he said. He said the same words. Verse 23, this, this uh, uh, champion says the same words. And in verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. How do you think that looked to David. David, a man after God's own heart. David that knew God. David that was of a different spirit. He's watching this whole thing unfold. The man comes out. He defies the armies of the living God. God's children retreat. They're afraid. And he sizes this thing up. Something is really wrong here. And in verse 20, 26, he asks the, the question, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Ah, that feels a little better, doesn't it? And so after he gets chided by his brothers there in verse 28, David says, What have I done? Is there not a cause? 
Something is very wrong here. Something needs to be done. Something needs to change. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine anyway? So he goes to Saul and says, let no, in verse 32, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight him. And Saul questions David. He sizes him up, says, you're not fit. This guy is a, a warrior from his youth. You are but a youth. And then David simply recalls an experience or two that he had in verse 36. And he says, listen, Saul, your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, go, go. So they put on this Saul's armor and David said, I can't, I can't go this way. I don't know how this works. I'm not comfortable. I'm clumsy. And so he went down to the brook and chews himself five smooth little stones. Five stones. Brother David, how many did he use out of those five? Just one. Just one is all it took. That's all it took. He had five. In the end, I hope to give you two. Maybe you'll just need one as well to bring down your, your giant. I think we all have giants in our lives, don't we? We do. We have a giant. He's relentless. He'll show up 40 days if he needs to, to keep us retreating, to keep us running. Oh, yes, he will. And so David took those five stones And when the Philistines saw him, he disdained him and cursed him by his gods and says to him, Am I a dog? Sounds pretty formidable, pretty intimidating. And he cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air. In verse 44, I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. And by the way, just, just, just let's back up here and look at this scene. Here's David, a little shepherd boy. All he has is a spear and a sling and five stones as far as defense goes. Well, this giant that was over nine feet tall had a dagger hanging over his chest of brass or something it says early on in the account. Had a spear with a shaft the size of a weaver's beam with a head 15 pounds. And not only that, he had an armor bearer that bore the shield that was probably also tall, I can imagine, coming to David. This opponent looked... Pretty informidable. But David said, you come to me with all these things. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. I come to you in that name. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. And I will smite thee and take off thine head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the, of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. And to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. 
And He, God, will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon the earth, upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. I think in the end times, as I said, I think things are going to ramp up. And I think they are ramping up. And they've always been bad. And we probably haven't even suffered persecution and, 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 and to the extent that they have in the past. But, but we know from Scripture that as we are in the end times and even closer to the Lord's return... Being a Christian is going to be a serious business. We are going to, we're going to have to be serious about it. I've heard too many people say in my experience, you know, those that gave up. You know, I never, I never really had it in my heart. Or it was never really real to me anyway. Or, you know, it just doesn't work. That, they say, when they're discouraged and have failed and, 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 and are down the road a long way. But at least some of those people I, I knew well. And I do not believe that they were not genuine at one time. I believe they were genuine. I believe they were sincerely born again. I believe they were walking with God. I believe they were trying. I believe they were pressing in. But, but they, they, they failed to be vigilant. They failed to exercise their faith in God's word. You know, we serve God by faith, right? We take God by faith at his promises. And, and, I, and, and I believe we should have a witness of God's spirit in our heart. I believe we should have that. That increases our faith. But many times, when the going gets tough, and when we're at a crossroad and we have to decide, am I going to believe God, or am I going to doubt God? Am I going to take God at His word, or am I going to murmur or complain? Many times we find ourselves at that crossroad and we have to decide. By faith, I choose God. And if you don't, you start going down that path of, 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 of doubt and murmur and complaining and, 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 and the clouds come crashing down on you and the end of that road is despair and destruction. It's a choice. It's by faith. We take God at His word. We read in one of these Scriptures in the beginning here, let me see if I can, yeah. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in the world. We think sometimes this temptation, this trial is unique to me. I've got it really hard. No one's got it as hard as me. No, Peter says, this temptation, this affliction is accomplishing other people as well. It is. It is, brethren and sisters. It is. It's not unique to us. There's another scripture that says, There has no, no temptation taken you but such as is what? Common to man. Oh, beware of that what appears like informidable battle that you are battling. It's like an old giant. There it is again. Bellowing out at you. Ha! You think you're a Christian? 
I know your background. I know your sinful life. I know your mistakes and weaknesses. All these things. It's old Goliath bellowing his defying spirit against you. You know what I mean? That's what it is. And he's relentless. He'll be there again tomorrow morning. And are we among those that retreat? Oh, dearly beloved. God hasn't changed. Amen? God hasn't changed. No, he hasn't. Big, grown, experienced soldiers retreating. That's a sad commentary. Trembling over this uncircumcised giant. Big, long-standing Christians crumbling under condemnation, discouragement, weariness. Beware. Beware. It's real. It's not that much different. God has not changed. If your name, my dearly beloved, is written in the Lamb's book of life, that itself alone gives you reason to rejoice. Amen? Jesus said that. We don't have to see evil spirits cast out to believe that. Jesus said we shouldn't even rejoice about that, but rejoice in this, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then I, as a child of God, who am endeavoring to walk with God, and of course I'm assuming here this morning, we're not hiding any sin. We're not being a hypocrite. We're living an open life. If we're doing those things, we're, off, we're way off track, I tell you. But if you're here this morning and you're sincerely trying and pressing in, you and I need to get a hold of that promise. If my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then I have the right to stand up and face that enemy, and he is not informidable in the name of Jesus. Well, that's, my, that's probably one of my points. Big, mature soldiers retreating. Think about that, brethren. Another point that I have here this morning that is a little more on the positive note is the difference. Are you listening? The difference that one man can make that has, that, 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 that has a hold of God. One man. One man. The difference that one man can make for a whole army is if one man has a whole of God and he is not intimidated by Goliath or by the things that are coming against him. The difference that one man can make. But David was a man after God's own heart. But I want to show us what he did. And this was a problem that the children of Israel had. And it was David's key, one of his keys to his success. The children of Israel, it says, I'm not sure if I have it written down anywhere. I don't think I do. But I'm sure you'll remember. Yeah, I do have here. Speaking about the children of Israel and their failures, David said in Psalms, they soon forgot his works. They soon forgot his works. They waited not on his counsel. Psalms 106, they forgot. God in their, they forgot, they forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Now let me ask you, do you think with me this morning, if we would have walked up to one of those men and say, and ask him, so what happened in Egypt when you were there just before you came out? You think he would have said, I don't remember? No. He would have remembered those miracles. He would have. I mean, unless he would have lost his head, you could have not forgot those miracles. So what does the scripture mean? They soon forget. It means this. They did not go back in their mind and, and, and attach past experiences where God came through to their, 
to their aid and, and bring it into this situation. That's what they forgot to do. They disconnected themselves from their past experiences. And so they faced Goliath here. They did not say, wait a minute, where's God? Where's God that brought us out of Egypt? Where's God that, that poured out those plagues? That's what they forgot to do. And I think many times that's what we forget. We forget. To our demise sometimes. To our failure. When we forget to reach back David as he was talking with, with Saul there and sizing this whole thing up. He said, listen, this, this uncircumcised champion is no different than a lion or a bear to me. No different. He remembered. He reached back. And he drew strength from past experiences. Some of us are so discouraged that we, we find it almost impossible to reach back in mighty experiences in our past and bring them in and think upon them and, 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 and get the benefit from them again and say, you know what? God hasn't changed. I know that was God back there. I know he hasn't changed. It's me, Lord. Forgive me for my doubt. Forgive me for my failures. Forgive me for my murmurings. That's what we need to do. But it's a sad commentary here to see those, that whole army retreating. Hiding, running, for the, running for the dugouts, running for the bushes. Is that me? Is that you, dear brother or sister, this morning? Well, I need to keep going here. So we need encouragement. And I hope to end the message here by sharing two effective weapons against our adversary whereby we may experience victory and a joyful and meaningful Christian journey. Any takers for something like that? But it's, it's a battlefield. And we need to decide we're going to be willing to fight the battle to have this kind of, of uh, experience. And so you can turn your, in your Bibles to Psalms 107, and I'll give you your two stones. You may only need one. These two stones, I think, are Siamese twins. You can't separate them one from the other, kind of. You really can't have the one without the other. I'm not sure which one comes first. The one begets the other, and the other begets the one. So it's one of those types of things. But there are two separate things listed here in Psalms 107. And the verse is found in verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Your first stone is going to be the fact that you are redeemed. And we're going to settle that a little bit in your mind, in our minds. Look at a few scriptures. Our redemption. It is so vitally important. Listen to me, young people. And all of us, it is so vitally important that we remember our salvation, the foundation of it, the blood, the sinless blood, the justification. It's, re it's important that we, that we make that mental uh, collection of, 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 of experience, if you will, and of scriptures. And we have it in our pocket to use when we need it. I'm a child of God when I'm tempted. You know, and, and, and we think about that. It is, it is, it is what will help us bring that giant down. Okay? So, redemption. If you are redeemed, that is one stone you can use to slay your giant. But there's another one. 
But first of all, let me give you just a few verses to to whatever the word is, establish what I'm saying here about being redeemed. And for you to think about. It's powerful. And if we meditate on these verses, they, they beget faith. If you listen to the world, if you listen to the news, you're not going to beget faith. But if you listen to these words and you meditate upon them, when that Goliath comes at you, you have something to fight him with. And this is what you need if you're going to make it. I don't think there's anyone here that believes, actually, that you were redeemed by silver and gold. Anyone here? Raise your hand if you believe that you were redeemed by silver and gold. Not a one. So you apparently all believe that you were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Raise your hand to that one. That is a stone for you to remember. To use against your enemy. That wants to keep you retreating and discouraged and down and not to win the battle. Let me read, let me give you the verse. Or verses. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, the silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed, it's implied here, but with the precious Blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Ponder that. There's another one. Titus 2 verse 14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. The part that I want you to remember is who gave himself for us. We, I, I think we probably all believe that here that Jesus gave himself for us. There may be a few that struggle with that that actually believe that Jesus died on the cross. I don't know if there's anyone here like that. But think with me. Jesus gave himself for us. Why? That he might redeem us. Ponder that. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You know, that's really all the law could do. It was perfect, but it would point its finger at you and me and, 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 and it would say, fail, fail, failure, failure, failure. No man could live up to it. Now here it says, look, listen to this. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, you and me, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It's that same promise that gave David the grit and the wherewithal to face that giant. If you're redeemed, you have a stone to bring down the enemy that wants to keep you low. And the second stone is, say so. Say so. It simply means to open your mouth and speak forth the promises of God. David did it. Listen. Sharing a testimony as a Christian 
is no little thing for the health of your and my Christian life. I've said this before and I'll say it again. It really is, according to Romans Romans 10, it's, it's the half of our Christianity is being, the first part is believing and receiving. The other half is opening our mouth and testifying. Let the redeemed, we already established that, of the Lord say so. Are you willing to be vocal and, and, and outspoken about your faith in God? You may recall the verse in Revelation that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. See, there it is. The word of their testimony. And I'm not just saying, dearly beloved, and Sunday here after the service, that's a good time to do it, by all means. But I'm saying this should be kind of an overflow of our experience where we, it kind of bubbles out when we're walking with God and, and we, we say this about God and we say this about God and we say this about an experience we had today and we say, I like this verse and we are opening our mouth and we are saying so. It is vitally important this morning. If that champion can keep my mouth closed and your mouth closed, he'll be pretty happy. He'll, he'll have us pretty defeated. He really will. You might say, well, Elvin, I don't have anything to say. God, it's been so long since God has worked in my life that I'm not sure what I would say if, if I were asked to speak. Well, first of all, if that is your condition, I would take that pretty serious. If that is your condition, listen, I would recommend that you put a weekend aside, you lock yourself in a room, and you seek the Lord. Are you hearing me? I am dead serious about that. If you can't, if you can't excite anything in your heart and speak forth a testimony... You need to seek the Lord. You need to lock yourself in a room and seek God. And say, God, I need you. Amen. For some of us, we've just simply allowed discouragement and maybe habit to just not speak. Is it really that important? I think it's very important. By all means, please. I don't want to put anyone under pressure here. That don't feel good. That don't come out right. But what I am saying is the truth for your victorious Christian experience, this has got to be part of it. Somewhere, somehow, we need to get a hold of this. That there is a living, flowing, vibrant testimony for my Lord Jesus. When we are facing battles, that comes out, and I believe Satan cannot handle that. There's two things that Satan cannot handle is when I know where I am with God as far as my standing, I'm redeemed, and I say so. He runs. He wilts. He melts. He's overcome. He's defeated. And singing is another, is another thing that goes right along with that. David said, sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Psalms 145 Verse 11, they shall speak of the glory of the kingdom and talk of thy power. So listen. Believe me, I know the trembling of the heart when it's time to get and take that mic and give a testimony. I know that feeling. You forget what you should say and it doesn't come out right many times, you know, and, and you feel condemned after you say it sometimes. Believe me, I know those feelings all so well. But the Bible says, say so. Say so. Say something about God. And if you can't think of anything to say about your own experience, find a verse or two that you believe, at least, and say, you know what? I believe these verses. And open your mouth and speak forth the word of God, the promises of God. 
and build on that. Again, I will say, I want testimonies to be spontaneous and voluntarily. I am not, I am not twisting your arm after the service here to speak up. But I am saying we should be gravely concerned if we haven't testified for a long time. I'm saying that. And it could get long if you all decide, well, I'm going to testify today. That could get kind of long. So please don't be under pressure. But just take this message to heart. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I believe it's in Malachi. It says uh, the the people of God, they spoke often with each other uh, uh, and encouraged each other. And I think I'm going to wrap it up maybe with a few verses out of Hebrews. On this. I'm saying this to myself as well. I really am. Hebrews 3, verse 13 says, well, let's, let's, let's get 12 to get the context here. Take heed, my brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of, un, of unbelief in departing from the living God. This, this is a possibility. This is what I've been saying. We all know people that have done this. And he's talking to brethren. Brethren departing from the living God. We have an evil heart. It needs to be it needs to be countered with a force from God. It needs to be opposed with the Spirit of God. Spirit and flesh are opposed to each other. You know that verse. And and uh, Jesus said that the, the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, I believe he said. So here it says, Take heed. Then in verse thirteen it says, Exhort one another daily. There you have say so. You have speaking. Verses to each other, encouraging one another, lifting each other up. Brother, sister, here's a verse. This is for us. How are you doing today? We need that. Our hearts get hard. Slowly but surely, we're far away from the warm, loving, tender Jesus. Hebrews 10, verse 24, and I'm done. Would you consider me, church? I guess I'll give you a little assignment. It says here we should consider one another. Would you consider me and provoke me from time to time with a testimony? Would you do that? I'll try and do the same. Let us consider one another. I wonder how so-and-so is doing today. I wonder how Marcus is doing today. Or Vernon. Or Pete. Or Peter. Or Ron. How are we doing today? I bet they could use a verse. Send it to them. Maybe they're facing a Goliath. Maybe they're retreating. Feeling defeated. Condemned. I'm sure there's no one here that's a stranger to the feeling of condemnation. Condemned. Heaping. Condemnation upon us. And we get a call. Brother. Jesus loves you. Look up. Might have just saved your brother. He might have saved his day. He might have saved his soul. Okay, let me finish this verse. And find it. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, there is that end time warning again, as ye see the day approaching. So much more say so. Let's pray. Lord, 
Bible says it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. I pray for that. We're like little lambs that need a shepherd. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to remember and not forget our redemption. We need to say so. We need to overcome the devil by the word of our testimony. If we don't have a testimony, Lord, help us to get one soon. Oh, Jesus, I pray. We need your virtue to our hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray, Father, heal us and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.